On this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum, our special guest is Jay Pinselnall from the Seacoast Online family that includes the Portsmouth Herald, Hampton Union, and Foster's Democrat. So, Jay, what's your take so far on, uh, we'll talk about the Seaco sports scene a little later on, but in particular, the schoolboy football season and the red-hot uh, Portsmouth Oyster River Clippercat teams. Yeah, Portsmouth's 20-6 uh, to win at home last Friday night against Exeter was very telling to me. Uh, both uh, both teams came in undefeated within the uh, Division One landscape, but I looked at Portsmouth's record and, they beat Spalding and they beat Winniconnet. They beat Memorial, three teams that are not having the best of seasons this year. But they did have a very solid uh, 24-22 win over Dover. So I, I went into that game thinking, all right, what team, what teams for real? Because Exeter had beaten Timberlane and Nashua North and Spalding and Winniconnet, two of the same teams that Portsmouth did. And I think Portsmouth really showed that – they are the they were the better team with that twenty to six win. Uh, they're strong on offense. They're strong on defense. They got multiple uh, skill players. They have the senior quarterback Aiden Thomas. They have uh, Angus Moss. They have uh, Brooks Connors, who played for Winnicott last year, but he he uh, transferred to Portsmouth uh, the summer. They also have um, uh, Portsmouth also had another kid, Emmanuel Poe. He came in from Marshwood. So uh, them joining the likes of uh, Cole McLaughlin and Angus Moss and um, those guys really has given Portsmouth, in my opinion, a very strong team. And I would think a favorite to get to the to uh, get to the championship game. Um, they have three games left on their schedule. They're at Wyndham on Saturday and they're home against Merrimack. And then they finish the season at whole at Timberlane. So I think, I think Portsmouth will run the table, finish the regular season undefeated, get the, get the number one seed out, out of division one East. And I, I haven't seen the brackets. I don't know who plays who, um, but uh, I think Portsmouth is a favorite to, to get to the championship game. Other teams that could get there in, in my opinion, Pinkerton, who who's undefeated, uh, Bedford, who's undefeated, and uh, Bedford entered last Friday's game at Dover, having only uh, allowed three points all season. Dover jumped out to a 10-7 lead, but uh, Bedford bounced back, scored the game's final 35 points, and improved to 6-0 with a 42-10 win there. So, so they're legit. Bedford's legit. Pinkerton's legit. Salem's undefeated at 5-0. Londonderry's four and one, and Londonderry had a four-point loss to Pinkerton. So, I think there's going to be two very good teams, at least two very good teams, that don't play, that don't get to the championship game, uh, because I think the top four teams right now are, or 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 top five teams. You got you got Pinkerton, Salem, Londonderry, Bedford, and Portsmouth, and I think three of those teams who could get to the championship game almost every year are, are going to be sitting home this year just due to the, the, the quality of teams. And, and then mm -hmm. I look at Exeter's schedule and Exeter, Exeter's got a tough final three games here. They're, mm -hmm. they're at Londonderry. Uh, that's a, that's a coin flip. I think Jimmy Lozon does a great job over there with the Lancers and they don't have a, they have a, they have a brand new quarterback this year in place of Drew Henney, who's now playing in Springfield and, 
And and uh, after Londonderry Exeter plays uh, at Memorial, that should be a win for for the Blue Hawks. Uh, Memorial's getting better, but they're not quite to the level of uh, Exeter yet. And then I, I think what really could come down to, to playoffs is Exeter's final game that Friday night at home against Dover on October 27th. I, I the Dover's a very good team. They mm-hmm. lost to Bedford last week, as I said, 42 to 10, but they have a two point loss at Portsmouth and they finished with Timberlane and Concord before that final game against Exeter. So I think when you come down to it, I think that final game of the regular season, um, Dover at Exeter, I think that could that could that could be basically a playoff game where the winner gets in and maybe the loser of that game gets eliminated from the uh from the playoffs. So we got three weeks left in the regular season and a lot of good football uh, have has been played so far and a lot of good football left. And um the playoffs are gonna be exciting. As I said, it's a very deep, deep field and uh there's a lot of good teams in uh, division one this year. Now, the way it's, it's, it shakes out, we have three divisions, uh, East, Central, and West. And I guess next year, they will go back to a traditional four-division setup uh, for or in Division One. Um, so how, how does that shake out? It's going to be a very exciting uh, playoff this year for the for Division One football. There's going to be a couple of good teams that don't get in. I think uh, Coach Pafford had, had a, has a dynam- dynamite team. Uh, I heard that he had a record turnout kids wanting to be on the team this year. So that's, that's encouraging for that program that had a few off years. Now, now it seems to have been reloaded and ready to rock and roll again. Yeah. I think it's, I think coach Paffer told me at the beginning of the year, they had a, they had 103 originally come out. And I think that number got to, up to about 112. Um, once the, uh, once they started handing out equipment and uh, wins, wins attracts more the more kids as well. So that definitely helps. And uh, yeah, yes, Coach Pafford has a lot of kids at his disposal and that's good. And that's good when you can get uh, more kids coming out for the teams that all, uh, that builds your depth, that builds your program. And, and it certainly increases your, your chances of, of having a successful season. What I love about the Seacoast division or the East division, as it's called, mm-hmm. uh, the rivalries are all, just top-notch rivalries and the coaches the, the you know they had uh i don't call it a mutual admiration society but they they both they the coaches on either side have ultimate respect for each other which is what i like to see correct uh you get the uh you oh of the five seacoast teams that make up division one east you got the rivalries of extra and winnick on it then on the other side, you get the Spalding Dover rivalry, and Portsmouth's basically right there in the middle, saying who who's our big rival. And I think they, I think all, I think all five Seacoast teams have rivalries with each other because they play every year. But you have you have de facto like the rivalry game for four of the five teams, and Portsmouth's basically in the middle um, without a without a true legit rival that's. That is as great as a rivals. It's not extra Winnicott. It's not Dover Spalding. So they're they're basically right there in the middle. But that's uh, but as I said, I think uh, when Dover plays Winnicott, when Portsmouth plays Spalding, it's all it's. Uh, I think whenever a Seco, when two Seacoast teams get together, you could call that a rivalry game for sure. I want to compliment you on the feature you did uh, a week or so ago uh, on Blue Hawk 
coach, and I'm calling him a legend, Bill Ball. Yeah, he is. He is and, a legend. Uh, and his uh, recovery from his major health issue. Uh, tell folks, you know, what you got out of that. Yeah, I was actually, uh, that was the, that story came out after the Exeter Winnicott game, which was played on a Saturday. So I reached out to Coach Ball at the beginning of the week, asking him if he had some time on Friday to for me to come down to his office and talk to him and I did I did let him know why I wanted to go down there I was interested in talking to him about his uh his health scare last year because uh, I knew a little bit of it what happened but not I didn't get the full story I heard little bits here and there from different people but I never coached I never talked to coach Ball so um so he so he's so he said, yeah, sure, come on down. So I was pleasantly surprised that Coach Ball agreed to open up and to talk about what happened to him because, because you know better than anybody that uh, that Coach Ball really uh, shines any attention from himself. He, ra- he would rather talk about his kids in the program rather than himself. But I think uh, I think in this case he, he let people know what happened. Uh, he wasn't feeling well. Um, basically the majority of last fall and um, when the season ended ended in that playoff game at home against Timberlane he went to his he he went to his doctor or he talked to his 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 friend who's a doctor and they said he got to come in and get checked in or or checked out and uh, they ran some tests and um, they recommended uh, having a having a procedure done and so that was done in um, I think it was like beginning of February, if if I remember correctly. So as he said, it was the first year in like, for, it was the first time in like 45 years where he was out of school. So he missed a lot of the winter, a lot of the spring season, just, just getting healthy and getting back. But um, there was talk about, there was talk about would, would coach ball be back coaching this fall? That's what I heard. Like, is it as serious? Well, anytime you have surgery on your heart, it's, it's, it's serious. So, so of course you, you want to know if coach ball is going to be back or if he was going to be back this fall. And uh, uh, he's feeling great. He said he hasn't, he hasn't felt this great in years. Um, and I asked him, I go, could this possibly be your final Exeter Winnicott game? When I sat in his office, he goes, absolutely not. He goes, I plan on, I plan on being back. I, I plan on, uh, coaching this team for years, and this is definitely not going to be my last Winnicott at Exeter game. And I think that was that was great to hear that he's feeling well and he's and he still has the drive, he still has the passion to coach to coach high school football. And um, there's no end in sight for Coach Ball, which is which is which is a double edged sword because he's such a great coach that um, I'm sure teams wouldn't be disappointed if he wasn't there coaching the Exeter, but I think coach ball has gained the respect of every head coach across the state where they definitely um, would want to square off against the best being, being Bill ball than have him not be on the sideline. So as I sat in his office, me, uh, me being a Winnicott parent um, and, and with my oldest son graduating last year and playing football and, my youngest son, uh, as a freshman playing football. And, um, I, I told him, I go coach every year when you guys play Winnicott, you can throw out the records because one team could be undefeated. One team could be like one, 
like one or two losses or or one or two wins and uh, records don't matter when those two teams play I said however I said coach this year is going to be different because this Winnicott team is so young and so inexperienced and you guys are playing so great I said I wouldn't be surprised if you guys win by 30 points and he he shot that down and he shot down that he shot that down in a in a second and I was wrong that was a that was a great game from the uh, from the opening kickoff with the onside kick, and then and then and then Winnicott uh, recovering the onside kick and then scoring on that drive, and what a great story it was from that uh, 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 that Winnicott senior who caught that touchdown, Jack Struther. His grandfather uh, passed away on uh, that Thursday, and um, he said, "I'm going to catch a touchdown against Exeter." in uh, memory of my grandfather and and lo and behold uh the first pass of the game he he goes up and catches it and uh and runs in for a touchdown his first his first touchdown of the season first touchdown of his career and then um matt parker the photographer that we have over at seacoast media group he had a great photo of jack like like pointing to the heavens in honor of his grandfather so that was that was a great high school football game and I, I and I went up to Coach Ball after the game. I said, "Coach, I was wrong. Um, that was that was another great chapter of this great rivalry." Kudos to you on that article. Uh, you did a great job, and uh, you know to get a sit down with Coach Ball. You did a great job. Great job Thank on you. that. And I want to uh, also compliment uh, the whole Seacoast Online team because uh, you guys do a great job of coverage of all the sports here in the Seacoast region. And uh, it, it uh, is coming down to the wire for most of the teams, field hockey, soccer, boys and girls, and uh, volleyball. So uh, I know you feature, your your group features uh, Players of the Week. And uh, just tell us a little something about how that process goes about. Yeah, um, Brandon Brown, who's been with us for the last uh, three years, he came up from uh, Mississippi. Uh, he's been, I think he's been at every extra football game this year, and he'll be there again Saturday uh, or I know Friday night at, at London Dairy. He goes through uh, uh, his Mondays are spent going through all the roundups um, that uh, that we publish every day, and he goes through and he picks out five boys and five girls that have that have what he thinks are stellar performances, and uh, he gets the he 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 selects them and he puts it in this format that we have a little vote. And where where um, where subscribers can can make their votes and voting goes from Monday afternoon until until Thursday midnight and um, whoever whoever wins on the boys and girls side we do a little we do a little story on, on the winners and um, that's always a that's always a good thing and um, and and I have to commend our all our, all the coaches who submit their results. Uh, throughout the year, because that's how that's how we get these athlete of the weeks nominees. That's how we get these stories from from coaches who who take the two minutes out of their time to to send in their results. What Brandon's working on now that should be out in the next couple of days is he's going through all the all the um, sports and not only uh, New Hampshire but also the three uh, Southern Maine teams we cover in Marshwood and Trape and York. He's putting together like. Uh, uh, a state championship contender story where he went through all the standings. He went through, he talked to a bunch of coaches and he's doing a little story like what Seacoast teams 
have a have a legitimate chance of, of winning a state championship uh, this year. And um, I think there's 18 teams in in the, uh, that he's come up with in volleyball and girls soccer, boys soccer, and field hockey. Uh, that's going to be in the story. Football is going to be a separate story uh, down the road, but included in those 18 are uh, are a couple Exeter teams, uh, girls soccer and um, back-to-back defending state champion uh, Exeter field hockey. Um, they're going to be featured in this uh, uh, who has a chance to win a state title uh, contender story that should be online in the next uh, next couple days uh, or at latest beginning of next week. Kudos to your team, you and your team of uh, sports reporters, because you do a bang up job. You keep everybody on top of what's going on again in Southern Maine and right here in the Seacoast area. So uh, I, I, I really enjoy, uh, I enjoy my subscription. Let's put it that way. Thank you. We appreciate you, Sherm. <laughs> I want to go from the schoolboy side of things to the big boy side of things. Uh, you got to tell me wh- wh- what's going on. What's up with the Patriots? What, what's your take on it? Um, I think they should uh, finish one and sixteen, get the number one, get the number one pick, and uh, select uh, the quarterback from Southern California. I think, um, I think the first thing that needs to be done is uh, is Bill Belichick. In my opinion, um, has to go. I think he's. I think the game has passed him by. He's done a great job and. The thing that he was, the thing that Bill Belichick always did as a coach during the beginning of the Brady, so-called Brady dynasty, is that when players had surpassed their prime and they weren't playing like they used to, Bill Belichick was the first person, didn't care who you were, they got rid of you. Like if you weren't playing up to the status of you did before, they got rid of you, or he he got rid of you since he's the de facto general manager. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he should get rid of himself because he certainly <laughs> passed his prime. And um, him as a GM, what he did to his former players was heartless, which is good, which is why it led them to so many um, Super Bowls. And of course, Tom Brady is the is the is the is the main reason there. But if you weren't performing, he found someone else who could perform better than you. And I think right now, Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches of all time, I think he always says he's going to do what's in the best interest of the of the team. And I think right now, I'm not alone when I when I say that him being removed as definitely as general manager and also coach is would be in the best interest of the new England Patriots or organization. I don't see good things for this season. I'm no, I, I I've been trying to defend Mac Jones, but I guess uh, I'm about this close to saying uh, Bailey Zappi. <laughs> but but, but is, is he gonna, is he gonna, is he gonna be any better? They have no offensive line. They have no receivers. They have they have uh, their running game is not good because they have no offensive line. Mac Jones, I I don't think I was very excited when they got him three years ago out of Alabama after coming off a national championship. But Tom Brady would struggle with the offensive line oh, yeah. that the Patriots have. With Tom Brady won Super Bowls with without many. I think the only top 
Hall of Fame receiver he ever had was Randy Moss. He had Julian Edelman. He had he had Gronk. He had Wes Welker. But he didn't have like a true like number one like wide receiver except for Randy Moss in those three or four years that Randy was here. But I think Brady would struggle with the offensive line they have now. He would struggle with the receivers they have now. And yes, Mac Jones is not playing as well as he probably could have, but I don't think any quarterback in the NFL could succeed with the pieces that are around Mac Jones right now. One thing that Brady had in his favor was a tight end by the name of Gronkowski. And yes. he took that to his advantage. And that's what I was hoping that somehow they'd get a, a slew of tight ends for Mac Jones. So at least he'd have a safety valve. Somebody could just pop it out to if he had to. And that's not even happening. So <laughs> bringing in Bill O'Brien was was a, an experiment supposedly to give Mac some support. And so far it hasn't panned out. Yeah, I agree with you when you say that the, you know, Bill Belichick uh, had a lot of success, but I think it's a different time, different mindset with the players coming out of college now. And yeah, his age is catching up with him. They're kind of tuning him out. He wants to stick around for the Don to to get to reach Don Shula's coaching record. I don't I don't know how many years. I think Kraft was going to keep him around for two years till he gets the record. Then 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 a mutual decision to leave, but. The way things are going and the way Bill Belichick has built this team, I don't, I think I don't think Belichick reaches Shula this well, he won't reach him this year, obviously, but they were plans under him reaching it next year. I don't even think he can get to that next year. I think oh. I think he was eight eighteen or nineteen wins away going into this year to 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 matching Don Shula's coaching record. And I think you're definitely the way things have gone, I think you're looking that could be, that could be the fall of twenty twenty five. Yeah, yeah. At earliest, I don't see them getting it next year. The way things are going. Well, the other team in town, uh, <laughs> I know you've got a vested interest because you're a season ticket holder. Is the Red Sox and the way they kind of uh, just kind of fell apart at the end. Uh, I, what what do you see happening to retool that team? I mean, what would you do? So I I see them. Going after some starting pitching because that's what you need, and I think you need at least one or two more bats. Um, I'm thinking they trade Verdugo. I think they package Verdugo and a minor leaguer to bring in a cost control starting pitcher, and maybe sign a free agent pitcher like like the Yomamoto kid. And who knows if they can get Otani, if they can get. Juan Soto, no, obviously you're not going to get Soto. You're not going to – that's a that's a pie-in-the-sky wish list layer of, of Yomomoto, <laughs> Otani, and Soto, but I think they will get one of those three players. Um, and if history, if history has shown us that when the Red Sox have had a bad year and they've had two bad years in a row, they're not afraid to open up the checkbooks and bring in what they think some help is. They've spent money – They've spent money in wrong, in wrong deals before. They they've always been known to spend money. They just had some some bad contracts. Hopefully, they can get the right people and fix this team next year. But you remember the times that the Red Sox were there playing in postseason, and it's just a little disappointing when 
these great playoff games are being held and the Red Sox for the second year in a row are home watching and not playing. So, well, just uh, if they do that big splash, like you're talking about, get, be prepared. Your season tickets are going up next year. <laughs> they are. And I, and I think anybody, everybody would be fine paying a couple more dollars per seat if they're bringing, if they bring in some good talent. There you go. And then I guess we'll, we'll wrap things up with, with your predictions for the world series. Well, I think, uh, I think at the beginning of the playoffs, I would have said, uh, Atlanta and Houston. Um, Houston looks good uh, with their sweep of the Minnesota Twins. Right now, I'm going Philadelphia-Houston in the uh, in the World Series, but you can't count out Texas either. Texas is playing well too. So yeah, um, I, I, I'm I'm for something different, at least in the American League. So I'll go yeah. Texas and Philadelphia. You know, they get to defend. Uh, that would be a fun series, Philadelphia and Texas, and some. You know, we'll see how that, that shakes out, and we'll compare notes in a couple of weeks here when we get down to the wire. It's, um, the, um, it's the Texas State Championship. It's not the American League Championship Series. It'll be the Texas State Championship between exactly. Houston and Exactly. Houston and Is there anything you wanted to put on for the two-minute drill, sir? I would say that I'm very, uh, uh, the Bruins, hopefully they can uh, get back to where they finished last year, except for the, the collapse they had in the playoffs. But I'm very excited about the upcoming Celtic season. Um, I like the the people they brought in. I like Porzingis, if he can stay healthy. I was very happy with the uh, Drew Holiday trade. Uh, yes, you gave up a lot of uh, you gave up a lot in that trade with uh, with Robert Williams, but um, Robert Williams was uh, was uh, in street clothes as much as he was in, in uniform. So they paid a hefty price to get Holiday with. Brogdon and Williams and a couple draft picks going to Portland, but uh, looking forward to uh, a very good, uh, hopeful uh, Banner 18 Celtic season. Uh, they have the definitely they have the talent to do it with Tatum and Brown leading and Porzingis and 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 uh, Derek White, Al Horford, and I think they have definitely have the starting five are arguably the bet the best starting five in the NBA. And then uh, they they have they they can go couple couple guys deep on the bench where you you really have confidence with with them going in the game. So um, I'm thinking Celtics are I think right now they're a co-favorite for NBA uh, championship. So along with uh, Milwaukee. So looking forward to the upcoming Celtics season, which begins on uh, October 27th against Miami. My two minute drill. I just want to say. Uh... Uh, good luck to uh, somebody who's been on this program. He's been on several times. Jimmy Dunn. He is uh, going to be a co-star in the new Frasier reboot. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to be uh, one of the characters. I I, I guess they're setting Frasier back in Boston. He yes, went yes. from Seattle to Boston. So Jimmy is a natural to be in that show for sure. And uh, it's all hush-hush what he's going to be as far as the character or whatever. But Good luck to Frazier. It's going to be on Paramount Plus uh, on a weekly basis for a while. And then they're going to have CBS is going to make a, a special two episode debut. Good luck, Jimmy. Good luck to Frazier. That was a classic. So, Jay, I thank you for joining us today. You're welcome aboard anytime. And uh, again, as the season winds down, we'll get together again. Maybe we can do one from the field. That would be fun. Yeah, that, that would be good. <laughs> so on behalf of Jay Pinsono from the Seacoast Online, of course, you can read his byline in the Portsmouth Herald, Foster's Democrat, Hampton Union. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum. <laughs>